What's up, everybody? This is Adam Tandis with the All Day Every Day Hoops podcast. We've been on a little bit of a break here, and now that the season's over and we have a lot of time on our hands because of everything that's going on in the world today, decided to bring the newsletter and the podcast back. So please sit back, relax, enjoy our latest installment. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam Tandez with the All Day Everyday Hoops podcast. We are back. Uh, no better way to spend the quarantine time, the shelter in place time, um, than I thought finding some women's basketball coaches and some people who are in and around the sport of basketball to kind of share their story and help grow our game. So today, I am honored to have Maria Caza, assistant women's basketball uh, coach from Bowling Green State University, also in the MAC, as our guest today. Maria, how are you doing? Hi, Adam. I'm doing great. It's so good to see your face. <laughs> you, you too. Yep, yep. <laughs> how has this crazy time? How has been? How has the quarantine time been for you and your staff? And how are you guys kind of navigating these uncharted waters? Yeah, I think probably like everybody, we're doing a ton of Zoom calls. Um, as a staff, we keep our like weekly meetings the same, and then we kind of have impromptu Zoom meetings throughout the days. Um, Coach Fraley will just ask if we can jump on, and we do that, and then just really a lot of elevated communication with our players um, all over and what they can do with the basketball safely and making sure that everything's going on right in school, but this is definitely some uncharted waters for all of us, and we're hanging in there. Um, but it's hard, you know, you get so used to seeing people every single day. And now I am an extrovert and this is, this is hard for me. So I'm doing my best. I've, I've known Maria now for almost 10 years. Uh, so she's being very honest. She is an extrovert. Definitely. That's definitely the case. How are you, you know, that being said, since you can't go uh, out to a restaurant with friends or, uh, even go to a bookstore or coffee shop. You know, I know you like to read. I kind of want to start there. Are you harping in on any particular books or any learning material materials right now that are kind of helping you through this time? I have been reading more, which is awesome. Um, I think the basketball community has been like super inspiring on Twitter, right? Everyone's posting like three books that they're reading or, um, you know, different leadership books and things like that or podcasts to listen to. So I am actually currently reading Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. Um, and then I kind of thought during this time, like if I read 20 leadership books, like how much can I actually put into my everyday life? So I'm kind of sticking with, I have a stack right here because you told me I might be asked this. And um, so I also have The Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates, which is about empowering women, um, which is obviously a huge part of our jobs. And I think you are one of the best. So I'm excited to Thank read you. that. And then I have, my mom bought me The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He was my childhood, like, I love that show. Really? And everybody needs to be a good neighbor right now. So I'm gonna dig into that. I'm a golf nerd. So I actually started the first major, which is about the Ryder Cup. So I'm midway okay. through that. I don't like to have a lot. I don't want to have two books going on, but I figured I needed to add a, a basketball book and a Maria book at the same time. So I am reading the first major right now, which is about the Ryder Cup. 
and then Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And then I also have a few others. That's awesome. Well, I like it. So I want to be super intentional with the, the leadership and culture stuff. Um, so hopefully from the, the three books that I have, um, I can put something into action as opposed to be filled with a wealth of knowledge and not really put it into practice. So. Right. So you mentioned one of the books there, you think it's, it's message is kind of how to empower and uplift women. I mean, I kind of want to take it that direction. Is that kind of one of the main focal points that you have in terms of being a women's basketball coach? Kind of take us through that journey of how that started and what it's become in terms of your intention in the profession, you know, now nine, 10, 11 years later. Yeah, I, I think it's so important to be um, a model for these kids that we're with every day and be strong and be resilient and find a way to be positive um, through the good and the bad. And then so many coaches in my life, um, I've been very, very fortunate. A lot of coaches through my life have been males and they have done nothing but lift me up and empower me. And my father is just an awesome, like, um, force for me to go out in the world and, and be really strong. And then I think of my coworkers, like you, um, I mean, I, it's so cool to like be a part of it, but I think absolutely if we're not doing that for our players, then, um, I, I think then we're probably not doing the best we can in our roles. And that's something that I take very seriously. So, um, I am excited to read it. The little blurb is how empowering women changes the world. And again, if that's, if I can learn from that book and push that onto the young ladies that I work with every day, um, I'd be really excited. So hopefully sure. I pick up some good nuggets in there. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. From, from the sports side of it. Now you mentioned, you, you know, your dad's an awesome force for you and you've had different coaches, most of them being male from the sports side of it. Who do you think going way back, who kind of influenced you uh, the strongest or continually influences you to let you feel like, okay, this is my calling. Yeah. Mm. That's a good one. I've like being from a small town growing up in Rapid City, Michigan, going to Kalkaska High School. Like I was just, I really feel like I had amazing coaches even at a young age. And, you know, my high school coach, Dave Dalton, 400 wins. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame in Michigan. Um, and then even my softball coach growing up, Rick Ponstein, something that I took from them was like, they never, I always wanted to do extra and they never told me no. And that's something that I try and, and bring um, into my job all the time is if a kid wants, you know, extra reps or wants to shoot a little bit after practice, you know, yeah, there are probably other things on our plates that feel like we have to get done but that's just something that's always been my personal mantra is I'm not going to tell a kid no um, to like get extra um, in the gym. And they just, you know, as long as I wanted to be great, they were going to do whatever they could to help me get there. So if it was opening up the gym before I went to basketball camp, they would do that. Um, my dad was my high school principal. So I was very fortunate to be able to be in the gym when I wanted to. And he, he just kind of let me, or all of my coaches kind of let me have the keys and say, if you want to do this, if you want to be good, then this is, you know, we'll help you get there. Um, so that part's always been really inspiring. Um, I mean, but I just had some, even my, man, my seventh grade coach, 
Rick Swoverland. I remember I was playing in high school and he would just, he was so blunt and he was actually keeping the book for my high school game. And he came up to me at halftime and I was playing terrible, like so terrible. And he came up to me at halftime. He's like, are you going to do something? I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. Swope just hit me hard. Like I'm ready to go. So he just kind of knew how to hit the right buttons. And yeah, I've just been, I've been really lucky with those, those type of people. That's Growing awesome. Up. Yeah. Right. Right. And then do you feel like you carry bits and pieces of them in your coaching career now? Do you find yourself reflecting on things you do as a coach and it's like, oh, wow, you know, my seventh grade coach said that or did that. Do you feel yourself uh, embodying some of that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Which I like. I mean, I, I hope too that if, you know, anyone that plays for me, I hope they maybe someday use a stupid tagline that I say, you know? I've worked with you and I use a lot of stupid taglines that you've got, but what about, obviously I know uh, you played for um, coach Mike Geary, who's still in the college game now, obviously Kim Cameron uh, was a huge force in your life as well. And you work with her now kind of, kind of tell people a little bit about, about that. Coach Mike Geary, he's an assistant at Southeast Missouri state. Um, that staff, uh, Coach Passion, they were coach of the year this year uh, yeah. down in the OVC. And obviously, Coach Cameron working with you at Bowling Green. If you could kind of touch on, reflect on those experiences. Yeah. I, I, Coach Gary was huge for me. He's still a, a really positive influence in my life. I actually was at the, um, the Christmas tournament in Illinois and a Montini Christmas tournament this year. And I got to sit with them the entire day except when I had to get up to get my steps in. Um, But we sat together the whole day and it was so cool, but he changed my entire being on like what mental toughness was. And my freshman year, I was just pushed to, you know, points that I thought this is it. Like (laughs) I can't actually move my legs anymore. And then I could, and I, he just had a way of, motivating you and making you want to be better every single day and some days like I can't believe I just did that like and I loved it and I look back on those days and I almost wish I could remember more of it um because it was it was just one year with him and um yeah my mental toughness I just felt was like the the biggest thing that I learned from him um and I love still getting to talk the game with him um we text throughout the year just you know congrats on your games and stuff but getting to pick his brain for an entire day um, this December was really, really cool. And it just kind of brought me back to that first year when you're, you're nervous and you're scared and, and right when you think you can't keep going, you just bust through. And yeah, I, I owe him so much of like the mental piece that I think as stubborn as I am and as hard headed as I am, um, I owe a lot of that to him. And then coach Cameron, yeah, I mean, I went to Michigan Tech in 2007, and she is someone that just completely changed my life. Um, she's probably the the true reason why I coach. Um, just the impact she had on me as a player every day, going out of the way to care for me and care for all of us the way that she did. Um, it just had, like, the most profound impact on me. Um, shot with me all the time. I ended up redshirting my – fourth and fifth years 
I transferred within the conference and then I had a total ankle reconstruction. So I was there for a long time. We got, we shot all the time. Um, she like would never let the ball hit the ground when we were rebounding, when she was rebounding for me. And then if it hit the ground, so it was a terrible miss. She would never, like she would run and throw it over her head so that it wouldn't go out of bounds. And I'm like, she is the best rebounder ever. And so now I, I'm chasing balls all over the court. And you we, do. I yeah. never want them to go out of bounds. I'm diving for loose balls at recruiting events. Uh, but to me, I mean, she is the best. Uh, she's the best. And now she's my best friend. We live a mile and a half apart. And I love getting to see her every day. But she definitely changed just not the basketball piece, but kind of changed the trajectory of my life and the way I care for people and the way that I, um, I really want to be a great person and coach to my kids. Right. To the keeping it in the basketball part of it, do you think she kind of shaped how you approach building relationships with your players? Kind of talk about that because clearly that had a profound impact on you. And I know how well you connect with players. Uh, would you say that started with Coach Cameron? Um, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. She, she just took it. Um, you know, she just asked about everything and it just wasn't simply now we had a lot to talk about because I, I was there for so long, <laughs> so long and not going in any games, but, uh, so maybe that helped, right. but she just cares. And I, she just cares so much about you and how you're feeling that day. And, you know, I sat out 67 straight games and that took a toll on me at sometimes. Like I got emotionally exhausted of, you know, waiting my turn and waiting, waiting. And she was so aware of that um, looking back. And the cool part is now that I work with her again. Um, I worked for her for five years, I should mention, um, as her assistant at Michigan Tech. But now that I'm working alongside of her again, I see her like caring again for the kids, right? Like as an assistant that she was to me. And I just feel like our kids are so lucky that they get to have her too. And she, I don't know, it's, she knows when to ask questions and then she knows how to wait you out. And there are times when I'm like, I don't wanna to talk to her right now. I'm not gonna tell her. And then she just kind of sits there. And eventually I, I cry and lose my mind and I tell her everything. <laughs> so she's the best at, at like waiting kids out and knowing that they need to talk about anything. Um, and that's something that I think I'm a lot better at is like reading the cues, you know, like they're only going to fidget for so long before they have to tell you what's really, what's really on their mind. And a lot of times, as we know, it's not about basketball, you know, and once they get that off their chest, the basketball piece kind of takes care of itself. And how, how valuable is that? Do you think, uh, when you reflect how that impacts the game itself and the, and the X's and O's and the work how important is the relationship stuff in your mind? Oh, I think, I think it absolutely makes or breaks your, your team. And um, working for Coach Freilich, I think she's like the, the master of the culture piece. And um, we're working so hard to, um, you know, put a lot of wins back in the column. We, we're making steps. We were playing really well at the end of the season. But um, just the growth we've seen in our kids – every day um they 
we know each other and we know how to fight for each other because we know what makes one another go. And the only way we do that is by talking every day and bringing our core values um, to the forefront every single day. And I think, you know, even in that 10 minutes before practice, you learn so much about your kids and maybe it's not something that they say about them themselves, but it's something they say that they appreciate that their teammate did. And so I can make a mental note. Well, wow, I really know that that made her feel really good. I, I can do that too. And so I think you just, you learn how to coach each player the way that they need it. And mm -hmm. then, you know, one of my favorite parts about coaching is when you kind of put it all together for that kid. Like you work and you work and you work and you finally have that breakthrough. And it's like, it all the time was worth it. And all the tough days were worth it when you, when you see it breakthrough. Right. That's awesome. I, I want to circle back. You've, you've said mental toughness a couple of times now, obviously being as close as we are, I know about some of the trials and tribulations you've dealt with, but you've had total ankle reconstruction. You just posted on Twitter that awesome picture of your knee. Yes, um, yeah. And then oh, you she was so nice. I went up to, I talked to her like three different times. I cried when I met her the first time I was like starstruck as shaking, shaking. She was so sweet. That's, that's awesome. Um, come back to that story when we, when you talk about this, but so yeah, the total ankle reconstruction, your knee injury, you said, you know, red shirting, sitting a couple of years, and then missing 67 straight games or whatever it was. How, what, what have you drawn uh, from those experiences in terms of mental toughness and how do you give back to your program, your team with some of that stuff that you learned throughout those moments in your life? Yeah, um, it's really cool because I can bring up Coach Gary again, actually when he, um, when I was at Michigan Tech, I, I called him like the night before my first practice. So for, Everyone out there knows October 14th is the night before first official practice. You know, yeah. October 15th is like the holiday. Right. And I was on the phone with him and he just said, practice is your game. Like you don't get to play this year. And he was so, he just kind of laid it out there for me in this way that made it so easy to understand. Like you have to practice like it's a game because you're not going to have those game day is not going to be the same for you as it is for everybody else. And I took that really, really personally and I took it to heart and I kind of, I loved it. Like I knew I was going to be on scout team. I got my white team. We were so jacked all the time. Coach Cameron had us like we were, you know, we just got to battle and the kids we were going against, you know, went to, we went to back to back elite dates, which was so cool. Um, and I got to be on the other side practicing against them every day. Um, so that statement really, really, really made it easy for me to understand. And it's a statement that I use still with my players that maybe are either they're redshirting or they're not getting the minutes they deserve. Like for me, that statement was so simple. Like this is your game. And I was able to treat it like that. And then I think it just kind of pushed me through. Um, and then like, the knee stuff, the ankle, I mean, I don't, I, I was just so stubborn. I, and I just wanted to be so, I wanted to you, be so You good. were? You were stubborn? Y yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, but sorry. I think I just Continue. had this, like, vision of, 
I wanted to do it. And there were days when, I mean, I remember when the, my ankle came out and my leg was so small and they took it out of the cast. I just, I just started crying. I didn't want to, but I just started crying. It was so small. And it just kind of right. felt like all these things you work for, like, and my, just, my leg was just so gross. I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, right. we got to do it again. And right. We did. Right. No, I'm sure those experiences are valuable for your players now. Again, like being in practices with you for two years, I know how much you wanted to drive those kids who were out to prove themselves. Like this, you have to earn it and yeah, you have to, sure. you have to compete and it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, but you embody that so well. And you, I, I'm sure you're blessing the kids at Bowling Green with that. Uh, today and that I think is the perfect segue into talk us through uh, your relationship with the brand compete every day okay. and you know what that stuff means to you and all the different um, sayings and mantras and things that you get from there and kind of how that now ties into the the greater evolution of Maria Casa. okay sure so compete every day I was actually Coach Cameron was going to win her 100th game. And I wanted to like buy her something. And I was super pumped. And I saw, I think it was on like a Facebook ad or something. I saw this like compete every day banner. I clicked on it. And oddly, not oddly enough, but um, the, our first practice with that team, she said, she talked to them about getting She's like, what if we just think about it? Like, what actually happens if we got better every day? And we had a great senior in Jillian Ritchie. We had three sophomores that year who had amazing summers. And that team ended up going, um, we were 28 and three. And it felt like we never had a bad practice. But anyway, I just remember her saying, what if we got better every day? So I saw these shirts that said compete every day. And I ended up buying her one. And then I got myself one too. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I just kind of kept coming back to it. Like I loved everything that it stood for. And then I, they have shirts that say one of my favorite ones was beat yesterday. And I love that. I love that so much. Um, so compete every day, beat yesterday. Um, easy doesn't make you proud. I have posters, I have magnets, I have these, um, Oh, did I say posters? I have some postcards that I have on my desk that um, they they come when you are, order a piece of clothing. You can kind of write like what's not gonna like what you won't let stop you today. Um, and then, oddly enough, I just kind of had this idea one day. I'm like, I'm gonna ask Jake, who is the CEO and founder of Compete Every Day, if he needed college coaches to wear his gear. So. <laughs> So I, I messaged him on Twitter. I said, hey, man, like, I, I love your stuff. Do you kind of want to be like a brand ambassador? And I just had this mentality of if he tells me no, like, I'm still going to wear your stuff. Well, at that point, the relationship kind of opened up, and he knew that now I was a college coach. And so actually when I was at NIU, he messaged me about possibly doing some um, keynote speaking on campus. And we had kind of finished, finalized our budgets and everything, so it didn't work out, but um, he later had an opportunity where he could be on his podcast, and I got to be a guest, and... You're a pro at these. <laughs> yeah. No. 
and um it was just super cool because I really do, I've, I feel like that brand is something that I live by, um, especially some of the things that I went through health-wise. Um, I just don't want to waste my time. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm so passionate about time. I like, it is everything to me and I really want to make the most of it. So the compete everyday mantra is something that I really, I love that I wear it and then that I do it. I feel like I do it. Yeah, and I, I do have a shirt from them because of you. So yeah. I'm, I am appreciative of that. You All definitely, day, day. that's right. You do live that mantra. Is that where you got don't wake up to suck? Or is that different? No, that was just me. Oh, that was yeah. just you. <laughs> Complete, yeah, ingenuity. Wow, good job. Yeah. Proud mm -hmm. of you. Yeah, nice. the background on my phone says, uh, you did not wake up today to be mediocre. I haven't figured out how to make my own graphic, but... I do want a sign that says, don't wake up to suck. So that is my, my go-to. I, I <laughs> they, they could put that on a shirt. I would buy that. Yeah, for sure. I would too. Um, I want to go back to one thing that I actually forgot to mention because you just, it resonated with me when you were talking about time. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the blood clot story. And I know yeah. you don't want to waste time and every day is precious. And again, this is another great tie-in with Coach Cameron. I would love to, love yeah. for you to share that. Um, sure. So oddly enough, the, the Compete Every Day shirt that I bought her, um, that was her 100th game, ended up being my first game back from getting sick. But uh, we were, that same year when, our, when we were 28 and 3, we were, it was a Saturday morning, we were going to play Wayne State, who was top 10 in the country. And I was on the treadmill that morning and I couldn't breathe. I mean, I was like, I had just told myself, I'm going to go run four miles and I'm going to go to shoot around. And I was just gassed. And I, I was so mad, right? Like, I, I'm not worried about what's wrong. I'm just so mad. And um, so I had to walk and then I'd run for like a minute. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I dying. Like, it was terrible. And, um, Final, so the game's over. I thought I was just nervous. Um, we end up winning. Uh, and then Sunday, um, so actually when I, when I was recovering from my ankle surgery, I was on the elliptical one morning and this football coach, I had my hands on the sides. And <laughs> this football coach comes up to me and he's like this, he's an intense dude. He's like, I'm dripping in sweat. I'm so out of shape. Like I'm out of shape, I'm tired. And my leg hurts. He's like, you know, if you put your arms on the, on the side, takes the, the, the weight off your legs and you put it in your arms, you're not working that hard. I was like, oh my gosh. So from that day on, I've never touched the sides of any piece of workout equipment ever. I know and then that actually kind of saved my life without sounding super dramatic. Um, the Sunday after the game, I was uh, on the elliptical and I'm like, I was so out of breath. I had to hold on to the sides. And that was when I kind of knew something was wrong. Um, I recruited on Monday and I was driving through the woods of the UP at like 11 at night and I can't breathe. And I just thought if, if this is where it ends, like no one's going to find me. And so I went to the doctor the next day and they, everything started to come back. Okay. My blood pressure was through the roof. Um, but my x-ray, my EKG all came back fine. And I said, okay, well, I'm gonna go back to practice. I was so mad. I was missing practice and everything was fine. Yeah. And then they said, well, you have to get a CT scan. And I said, 
I don't think I have anything wrong. So I went back to practice. I called them and I tried to cancel the appointment. They're like, no, you can't. So I left practice and I ended up having um, bilateral pulmonary embolism. So I basically had a massive blood clot in my left lung and then a large one in my right. And um, I just remember, I had, so I, <laughs> I have to call my parents. I have not told them anything as I felt sick. And uh, I remember getting ready to call my dad and it, it was probably five seconds, but it was five seconds that for me is just like the longest point of any time in my life where I'm like, I got to ask the doctor if I'm going to die because I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of looked at him and I was so scared. I was by myself. And I remember thinking, do I want to know the answer? And uh, he just kind of said, like, at this point, we think you're going to be okay. So I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I have bad news. And he goes, who tore the ACL? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know. Little different. Uh, so that, but that moment of time where I had to ask the doctor if I thought, you know, I was going to die and I was by myself, that really kind of totally reshaped the person I am. Absolutely. I mean, I, it changed my life. And I, I know that everyone has, there's a lot of terrible things that happen to a lot of people. And I know that mine is very, probably minor um, in comparison, but for me, it's just, it really kind of whapped me upside the head. Like, yo, you got one shot at this and I, I don't want to screw it up. Right. No, I know. And I know, trust me firsthand. I know firsthand yeah. one, you don't touch the sides of any exercise equipment. And no. two, I know how much that has shaped your life. And I think that's why you bring it every single day, which is so cool. Um, yeah. Well, I, I want to transition now into obviously the basketball side of it, like mm -hmm. I think telling us about who you are as a person and what molded you and all this stuff is all very genuine and real, but uh, there's also a very genuine and real side of you that is a, by my estimation and, and a lot of people around here that you're a hell of a basketball coach. So I kind of <laughs> want to start with from, from a skill development, X's and O's, where are you, where do you draw those influences from? We kind of talked about your relationships and how you go about handling people, but now on the court, how do you, what do you draw on? Who do you look to that kind of stuff from X's and O's and basketball specific stuff? Yeah. Um, so I, you mentioned like skill development. So the project I'm kind of working on right now, um, I'm going to use one of our players, Madison Parker. She led the country uh, division one in three point shooting this year. She shot 48% from three. She can shoot it. Yeah. And then she was um, fifth overall in makes and ninth in makes per game. And then she was 65th, tied for 65th in attempts. Hmm. So as I'm like preparing um, her off season plan, which hopefully we get to do, um, True. I am thinking, how do we bridge the gap from fifth and makes, but 65th in attempts. Like we have to, we have to shrink that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of sat down after the season and, and thought of, you know, four areas or four things, skills that I wanted to get better at. And then I prioritized them um, since it kind of looks like our time could be, sh sh it's shrinking right now, right? Right, absolutely. Um, so I kind of prioritized those two. If we only have this much time, these are two that absolutely we have to get better. Um, so like, 
watching all of her screen reading screens um, and, and seeing where she can get more shots. Um, and then also just using like off the catch, like a shot fake one dribble, just kind of creating space um, very quickly or off of a post entry, like being super physical. And the cool thing right now is even though that time is shrinking, right now everybody's willing to share everything. So that's true. I'm probably like every coach out there. I have so many tweets bookmarked. I have everything on Instagram bookmarked and just kind of looking for ideas. So um, when I watch like skills that are getting broken down, I kind of have a process of like, one, is this relevant for the player that I'm looking to implement it with? Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, you know, is it, is it explained in a way that I feel like really comfortable teaching it and then having my player be able to do? Um, so I've seen some good things for, for Parker um, that I'm excited to, to put into place. Um, and then we're going to do like a lot of film on just, you know, coming off of all the down screens within our offense or the flappy action or off of a flare screen and just kind of seeing what adjustments we could make to help her find shots. So I don't know if I'm necessarily like, I only watch this skills trainer or I only right. watch these okay. videos. I more kind of look for someone that makes it look simple enough to actually break it down and then I can teach it too. And then as long as it's relevant for my, for my player. Sure, That's sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there any, you know, still trying to dive into maybe getting, I mean, are there ones you'd recommend? Are there trainers? Are there books? Are there DVDs? Anything that you've encountered in your past that you're like, okay, if you're a young coach or you're a GA trying to be an assistant coach, or you're just trying to find fresh ideas, Mm -hmm. why don't you check out these trainers, these authors, these people? Yeah, uh, I think you should just start following them and seeing what they're going to share. Like Alex Bazell, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Drew Hanlon, right. Mike Lee. Um, right. you know, I have his, one of his, the first things I bought was his, um, the blueprint, the blueprint. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of finding stuff that, that you like. And then, um, you know, I the guy from uh, South Dakota right now, who's coming out with Hannon. Yeah, Hannon, yeah. 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 I mean, his stuff is cool. Yeah. So I'm like bookmarking all of that. And then I would just say the biggest thing I'm not, I actually think I learned this from you is I'm very okay with, I'm so much more secure now with what I don't know. So I'm fine asking, you know, like right, right. I'm actually thinking, I'm actually thinking about, you know, messaging them and asking for, um, you know, certain skills or just like I said, creating space and like really breaking down that footwork piece um, things like that. So sure. I would say, you know, one, watch a lot and then yeah. find the people that explain it the best for you. Um, right. And then incorporating it, like seeing it work within what you're watching or the team that you're working with. That right. makes sense. Right. Well, what about um, actual like five on five X's and O's? Who do you kind of, you're very, very knowledgeable. And I think you're always so helpful. You really took our uh, what we were able to do the two years you were here defensively to another level. What do you think? Like, let's start there defensively. I know you're, you're preferably man to man coach. Like where do you kind of draw some of those influences and then kind of talk through what your beliefs are in principle when it comes to defense, if you could. Oh, you, I just call you. Stop. <laughs> that, is, that is not true. Uh, so 
Um, from a defensive standpoint, you know, I played for um, Coach John Barnes, who's now the head coach at Youngstown State. Um, and one of the things that I loved that he did, and even when I was coaching at the, the younger levels, um, was we always did, like every day, we always did a closeout drill. So I already knew I was going to get yelled at. <laughs> they're so bad. They're still bad. And they were bad then. They're bad. Uh, so he he'll tell me. Yeah. Uh, so we always did a closeout drill. We always did a rebounding drill. We always did a ball screen drill. And then we always did some sort of shell um, progression. So whether that was the day before a game um, and it was really quick and they were dead ball closeouts, um, just working on your footwork. But it, for me as a player, I was like, I, I shouldn't still be screwing this up because we do it every day, but I just can't move my feet. So, um, but I, I did get better because at least I got smarter, you know, yeah. like if I don't give up middle, I, I can help. So I was hopefully going to be there. Um, so I think that's really important is just the consistency. And then it also builds um, your players, you know, kind of know what's coming. And he did a good job of having like a, I mean, we knew a closeout drill was coming. We just didn't know which one it was. So he always kept us guessing, you know, one of like seven. Um, but I think that's really important because I think if you can't guard the ball one-on-one, -on -one, it's going to be really hard. You know, play in rotation. Constantly, constantly playing in rotation. Right. Um, and then he also just kind of helped us eliminate um, – you kind of knew where you were supposed to be all the time. And a lot of the – Gray area. Yeah. We didn't have a – like we wouldn't have to choose a town. We were probably smart enough too, but – um, and our team was, we kind of liked having black and white answers. So it was really good for us and we were really good at it. So I think a lot of the defensive principles and terminology was kind of a byproduct of what we played of what I played in right. for three years. And like I said, being on, you know, scout team for two of them, uh, that's <laughs> on defense a lot. You know? Oh, that's great. That's um, great. so I, I think he's someone that it was really good. And we talked about Mike Geary was completely different. We were trying to deny every pass and, you know, you would, we would work on denial. And if you got back cut, that was backside as opposed to we should never get back cut. Mm. Um, so I think uh, that stuff is really good. But I mean, honestly, one of the things I loved working with you is when we talked about ball screens, like, mm. and just the different coverages. And I think for anybody out there, if you want to talk about, ball screens and working together as a unit, Tidez is your guy. Um, Thanks. But I love, I mean, I loved sitting there and we would just talk all day about it. And I think that's something that's really cool um, to be able to do, you know, just the amount of time to talk hoops and coverages and what happens if we're hedging high, hard and early or we're, you know, going under. So right. Right. I think a lot of that too is based on your, personnel and strengths of your of your individual team sure. or individual players right okay other side of the ball now what is your what's your philosophy what is some of the stuff you've liked whether that be as a player or even now at Bowling Green on the offensive side mm -hmm. um, I mean what I like the most when Maddie Parker hits 
seven three. Love that. Yeah. Love yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Help, helpful. That's definitely yeah. helpful. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, having Parker is a huge asset, right? Because great spacing is really becomes much more relevant with people who can shoot. Right. Um, but we also had a, for me, um, even playing at Michigan Tech, we played always inside out, very much like four out, one in type of offense. And we had that luxury at Bowling Green this year too with um, Angela Perry, who was really good. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I love about working for Coach Freilich is the emphasis she puts on passing. And it's a skill that we work on all the time, which is probably really maybe under taught. Um, I would agree. But we put a lot of time and, and emphasis into that. And I know we did at NIU with our um, paired series stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just sometimes that gets lost. But um, we play like a high-low motion offense right now. And with, with good shooters, um, it's really effective. And, and kids that can pass, um, your fours and fives have to be able to pass. And it's, it's fun. Um, we work on our break a lot during, you know, the early part of the early part of practice five on out, just getting up and down a little bit. But, um, I mean, I think that's the fun part too, is kind of, we did have to change a little bit during the course of the year when we realized, you know, we had some injuries and things like that. We kind of had to isolate Angela a little bit more and get her more touches. So. I think that part of it's fun, right? Like how can you maximize your talent and things happen throughout the year? Um, and, and we were, it was cool to be playing some of our best basketball at the end of the season and kind of seeing that hard work and stick with it mentality um, pay off. Sure. Well, that makes sense. I do like, and then anything, obviously ball screens are probably the hardest to guard. Um, right. So I like teaching that and, playing out of it um again right. we talked about getting the defense in rotation that's probably the easiest way right right I wanted to ask so I know this you've you've coached as young as seventh grade uh coached high school um obviously division two you've coached now you're division one kind of talk about that journey in itself and kind of what you've been able to take that have been staples at every level whether it's 12 year olds or 21 year olds now and kind of how that's really benefited your career. Yeah. One of the coolest, one way I love that I coach seventh grade boys is now when I walk into like, you know, I'm still, I'm still like amazed and like, I still think it's so cool when you get to go play to big 10 school or big 12 school. I'm, I mean, I'm like this, you know, and uh, I actually used to have Quinn always during shoot around, like, Quinn's our director of operations at NIU, but I would go stand at the middle of the court and I'd hold the ball right here and she'd snap a quick picture of me. So I've got these like all built up in my camera. Oh, um, but I think the cool part about seventh grade boys, if I ever write a book, I'm going to have a chapter on this little, little guy. He was bawling before practice. And I'm like, man, what's wrong? And he's like, she was wearing his sweatshirt. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, it's okay. He's like, I'm gonna marry her. Said, oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, that part, you know, 
but I got to work with one of my really good high school friends, Daryl Diamond. Um, and you re really emphasize the fundamentals, right? Like I, we didn't play a lot of scrimmaging and all that stuff um, at seventh grade, which was cool, but I probably learned the most there patience. Mm. <laughs> and then um, my next job was a ninth grade coach in high school. And that was cool. Cause it was the first time I've ever been a head coach. Mm -hmm. um, so I really got into practice planning and I, the biggest eye opener for me there was like, I think initially I had all these great plans and then we had to learn how to make layups. Right. We were really bad layup shooters. So I spent so much time again, just the fundamentals. I mean, we they were doing closeout drills too, which was <laughs> every day, <laughs> every, day. every, every day. day. Um, but the, the fundamentals and then gosh, like your ninth grade year of high school is just such an interesting time uh, going through, you know, life. high school life. Right, yeah. Right, right. Uh, so that was cool. And then um, at Michigan Tech for five years, I mean, I was just so fortunate to coach like really good teams and be in a program where you know, making the national tournament is an expectation right. and kind of the highs and lows that are associated with that. I mean, there were days when, you know, we never, we, I was just so lucky to have those, those records and the, and the, the wins that we did. Um, but I learned a lot about like sustaining success and it's hard. I mean, it, it's so hard. And then like, coming back from a loss just felt so the, – the pressure was so tough sometimes. And I think I was – I didn't do very well, I don't think, in my earlier years of, like, overcoming that, overcoming, like, losses. I'd be so angry. and um, But, our you know, our kids were so resilient and such good kids, great student athletes, just great ambassadors for my alma mater, which is really cool. And to coach there is, is something that's really special and to have the successes that we did um, was awesome. And then, you know, at the division one level, I mean, I just feel so lucky to be where I am and to have had the experiences I did. I mean, you are family to me and to be able to work together for two years was, you know, so cool. I miss like driving drinking our coffee and talking about ball screens or, you know, what else was coming that day. But I think the, the, the biggest difference for me from the division two level to the division one level is actually the amount of time that you can spend learning because I was teaching 11 hours of class a semester, you know, at the division two level. And there'd be days where coach Cameron and I didn't see each other because we were both teaching PE until noon we got practice at two and um so all of that was really weird and I, I think I kind of um I really defined time you know to like watch more or read more and now that's kind of almost part of your day like if you're not doing that you're you're getting behind right. um so I love that part of it and that was something I think you told me um early on is like the amount of time you get to spend in basketball is really cool yeah. and that has been really cool. And even the, at the time investment with your players is so much more because right. you're just doing that more. You're not doing meal. I mean, my God, meals takes forever. You know that. God love you, Clint. God love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, I'm sorry. Well, what are some of the common themes though, regardless of the age or gender, you know, what are the common themes that you've kind of stuck with your coaching philosophy? Other than closing out every day. I yeah. Know. I mean, it's fun, right? Like yeah. I had another job, but I, I did the cubicle thing. I've been there, you know, 20 months. Um, then I, I mean, I, I was happy, but this is, this is fun. I actually have a post-it note that's on my desk that says I get to coach basketball today. And when I have these, when I get so mad or I'm annoyed or something, I look at that and it's, it's so simple, but it's kind of like, stop Maria. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and then it's, it's about people. I mean, I remember um, I texted you this season about like a zone question yeah. and you said, draw on your board and I'll FaceTime you in two minutes. And I'm like, that's, that's a guy, like, that's awesome. That you're like, you're willing to share and willing to help. And just, it's, it's always about people. And, you know, obviously coach Cameron, um, I've talked about her multiple times today, but I mean, she was a huge influence in my life and now I'm on year seven of working with her, which is really, really cool. Right. Um, so awesome. I say, you know, relationships and then that's probably the best part. And have fun. I mean, we have to enjoy this. We yeah, really absolutely. I agree. Well, um, Maria, this was awesome. What, if people hear this and they want to follow you on Twitter uh -huh. or shoot you an email, what is, what is the best way to connect with you? At least when those two mediums. Twitter is yeah. Maria Kaza. Can I spell it? M A R I A K A S as in Sam, Z as in zebra, A. Okay, good. How about your email if anyone had any questions for you? Yep. M Kaza at bgsu.edu. That's awesome. There. Ask away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Maria. Probably like she's been rambling for so long. They don't. But yeah, send me an email. That's not true. <laughs> People will get something out of this for sure. That's the hope anyway. But yeah, I think uh, just kind of in closing, I think you embody everything you talked about. I think you are a blessing again to the people you work with and to the children that you get to, the children, the, the young adults um, that you get to work with every day. Um, you know, our kids felt that here at NIU. I know your kids born in green feel that, you know, you everywhere you go, you make the place better. Um, because of your passion and so you know I'm happy that we got to work those two years together and I'm happy that someone gets to hear you tell your story on my podcast and hopefully we'll feel impacted by you as well so yeah well I think that I mentioned like everybody now that we're all home and everyone's so willing to share I think everyone out there you need to follow this guy because he's always been willing to share and I think that's one of the the great things that you bring to our game is you are so willing to share and to learn and kind of just to spread knowledge. And like you said, if somebody gets one thing out of this, then it was worth it. And I just thank you for your always supporting and always helping to grow our game and you are the best. So I'm, Thanks, very, I'm very lucky to, to call you my, my brother. Thank you. All right. Until next time, podcast listeners. Thank you again, Maria. We'll talk soon. Thanks for having me.